Hi there everyone and welcome to the very first edition of Pilates 101, the podcast home of everything Pilates. My name is Glenn Withers and I'm one of the founders of APPI, the Australian Physiotherapy and Pilates Institute. And we've decided to launch this podcast as a way of bringing the Pilates community together, sharing ideas, looking at research, sharing our thoughts, sharing our experiences, and most of all, just trying to create a, a forum where we can all talk and respond and uh, sort of work together in helping to forge forward a more positive and a more united and together Pilates industry. Now, one of the things that we thought it would be really cool in relation to this podcast was to try and get as much guidance from you, the Pilates community, as we could as we move forwards. So let me begin this podcast with a shout out to all of you to send in your thoughts, ideas, questions for us to try and cover in this podcast. I'd like to outline a little bit about how it will work moving forwards. Um, so moving forwards, we'll be starting with some uh, little intros, some news, some reviews of research that's out there, some interesting topics that we have come across so that we think may be interesting to talk to you all about. And then we'll be moving on to an interview. We'll have an interview with somebody in the industry that we think will be exciting and relevant to all of you. And again, we invite you to send in your ideas and your requests and thoughts about who we should interview moving forwards. And then on the uh, base of that interview, there might be particular topics that we want to expand on or talk through. And then we will always have a question and answer section towards the end of the show. Now, in advance of this, we reached out to our local APPI community and they've posed some really interesting questions that I will get to towards the question and answer section at the end of the show. Let me start this podcast, if you like, by addressing the, the biggest issue in our industry right now. And that's obviously what the last four months have been like. Now, for those of you who don't know us, um, APPI, the Australian Physiotherapy and Pilates Institute. We're a worldwide teacher training organization that was founded uh, in 2000. We started running our very first education courses back in 2001. And myself and my partner, Elisa Withers, founded the uh, institute on the back of a scholarship from the Australian Physiotherapy Association way back in 1999, uh, bringing us over to the UK in 2000. And that funding was for us to investigate the clinical relevance of Pilates. We are both physiotherapists by degree and come from Australia, did all of our training in Australia, and then came over to the UK on the base of the scholarship to begin our Pilates journey, I guess. Um, and what I, I think we'll do, for those of you that want to know a little bit more about us, I will do a separate podcast for you guys that tells our story a little bit for you to be able to sort of get to know us a little bit more, I guess. But many of you listening to this will already know us, so uh, bringing our sort of journey uh, back to relevance here. Um, so we, uh, we started the Institute um, predominantly around what we used to call modified Pilates for physiotherapists, and it then grew and grew, and we now offer teacher training programs for all walks of life, so to speak. So we have three streams of education. We have our uh, 
Matwork Rehabilitation Series for those that come from an Allen Health background. Our Bridging Program for those trained through other Pilates Institutes that want to bridge over to the APPI approach. And those, and we have our Comprehensive Program for those that don't come from either an Allen Health background or don't hold an existing Pilates qualification. So the many of you that are out there that are looking for a career change or increasing or adding other things onto your fitness portfolios, etc. But we also run clinics, and we have two clinics here in London where we're based, uh, one in Hampstead, one in Wimbledon. Um, and so I guess if you look at the insight that we have of what these uh, last four months have been like, I guess we can look at it in a multifaceted way. We can look at it from the education point of view, and we can also look at it from the clinic owner point of view. But let me just start by saying that this enormous thing that has happened to all of us all around the world, and obviously not just us in the Pilates industry, hey, this has happened to everyone. And if we look at the the challenges that have been thrown at our industry, you'd have to say that it's been one of the, the hardest industries to just understand what we do, how we go about it. Um, I'm not sure what it was like in the various countries of all of you listening around the world, but here in the in the UK, it was pretty tough for us in terms of um, not really getting a lot of support from the government over here. We seem to um, fall through the the cracks a little bit. Um, uh, in, in, in looking at that, again, I guess the best thing that I can do for you right now with this podcast is share what it was like for us and our story of the last four months. So we are a physio and Pilates center. We offer both physiotherapy consults, physiotherapy rehabilitation, Pilates one-to-one and Pilates classes. We, in addition, offer things such as massage, yoga, um, acupuncture, women's health, etc. So, when lockdown hit here in the UK, uh, it was vast and fast and furious, wasn't it? Um, so, like many of you, if I if I look at it from the clinic's point of view first of all, because that may be what relates to those of you listening um, a little bit more directly. So, like many of you, um, we had built up a really really great business in our opinion um we had you know over 50 classes a week at our Hampstead site over 30 classes a week at our Wimbledon site um you know hundreds of hours of one-to-one work plus physiotherapy consults as well um and then we got the the guidance that uh we needed to close um or actually on reflection it was did we get the guidance did we close i don't know was it more The country was in lockdown, so it was the right thing to do. Um, I can tell you that Elisa and I actually made the decision ourselves on the Wednesday. So we officially had the lockdown or or were told to start to close on Friday the 20th of March here um, with the lockdown beginning a few days later. Elisa and I had been watching what was going on and, and we thought it was the socially responsible thing for us, sadly, to close the clinics. And we started that process on the Wednesday um, before the the Friday lockdown, and I must say, you know, those nights leading up to making the decision, they were tough, and and you guys have all been through that as well. But I can tell you, no matter the size of your facility organisation, um, we're all going through the similar things. And for Elisa and I, eighteen years of of literal <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, 
you know, you'll hear in, in the story, if you listen to the other podcast, how we literally slept in our centre at Hampstead to begin with, um, eating falafels from the falafel van down the road and showering in a local gym. Um, but we do put everything into getting these businesses off the ground, don't we? And so for us, it was 18 years of work, constant work, uh, to get into the position where we were. And that was taken away from us in you know, what, what was like a flicker of an eye. And so we, uh, we did the transition across to an online business and we used the Zoom platform in order to transfer our business to both classes and our physiotherapy and one-to-one services. And I guess if I'm uh, honest in this podcast and wanting it to succeed, I have to be honest in what I uh, put across to you guys. And there's no real um, uh, falseness that would work here. So we transitioned to an online business, but would I say it was a success? (laughs) Not really, if I'm honest. Um, We did the best we could. We um, transitioned our classes across and we kept our classes, uh, our class sizes restricted. And what we wanted to do was to value our services, to value our teachers and to value our clinicians. And so we made the decision that we're going to make our online uh, services as close to the real thing as possible. We're going to keep our classes size limited so we can keep people's microphones on and they can interact and speak with the teacher. Now, I know a lot of people did the opposite and uh, they would mute the audience, bring the prices of their classes down very low, have as many people in the class as they could. And, you know, on on reflection, I just wonder if that was uh, a positive thing for our industry because giving people access to classes for nothing or next to nothing Um, I'm not sure was the best long-term strategy for the success of us as an industry. Um, So we made the decision not to do that. We reduced our our prices, but only in a small way. We kept our class sizes limited, and we made sure that we paid our teachers the exact same payment as what they were getting when they were teaching live. Um, But the business itself, we were probably doing 10%. maybe on a good week, maybe 12%, and some weeks, 5%. So to say it was a success, you know, look, we were able to keep supporting our teachers, and that's what Elisa and I set out to do. Um, and so were we able to do that? Yes, we, we were, and I believe that, um, you know, our, our teachers felt supported by us. We certainly kept them in a, um, in a job and in a role, um, and many of them did a great job, and we thank them enormously for what they... Uh, what they did for us during that time. And we felt it very important that we support them back, which, uh, which we feel we did. Um, but yes, it was, it, uh, it was tough. Um, now, for those of you who are not familiar with the Zoom platform, I can't imagine there's too many of you out there, but we do still get questions into the Institute about it. Um, I'm happy to go over you know, how Zoom works and the process and all of that um, in, a, in a future edition where we might be talking about how to um, successfully transition online or what maybe the future sort of hybrid look of online and live studios look like. So if that's a, um, a topic or a discussion that you feel might be interesting in future podcasts, then please do shoot us in uh, via the email. It's info at appihealthgroup.com and we can certainly 
um, add that onto the agenda for future episodes. But um, talking about the sort of feel for us in terms of of clinics, um, so yes, we transitioned. Um, we continued to market as best we we could. Um, we worked with our staff as best we could, um, and yeah, look, we did delivered an online service. But as a clinic owner, and I think there's an enormous difference out there, and I, I would love to hear from the clinic owners themselves about their experience of this. I think there's a massive difference on what people class as success if you're a clinic owner or if you're a, a Pilates teacher. Um, and I think we come at that from different views possibly. But I think supporting our staff was probably the key thing for us. I think supporting our community was the key thing for us. And so we did do um, some things throughout lockdown um, for specific populations we we started running a free kids class um, and that was really more to try and give back a little bit of support and time to those clients that were continuing to pay for our services and supporting us in that way we felt that you know it's really important we try and keep kids moving um elisa and i for those of you who don't know us we have five children so uh the health and well-being of kids is right up there on our interest list and it was very important for us that we kept our own kids healthy. So um, with the help of Mark, one of our amazing uh, physiotherapists and Pilates teachers and movement teachers that we have at our Hampstead Centre, um, he was able to do a free Pilates class for kids on a Wednesday morning. Sort of, you know, the the Joe Wicks approach, um, which was amazing, huh? Well, what he did during lockdown, that was phenomenal. I take my hat off to that man enormously with uh, what he was able to do with his uh, PT with Joe, which our kids certainly took advantage of. Um, we took uh, uh, one of my uh, Healthy Bones classes that we had as footage here, and we um, made that available to our older clients. So they had um, a class that they could do. Uh, it was the same class week on week, but at least they had the ability to, to access that and to get exercising on that. Again, predominantly for those that were supporting us by paying for the, the live Zoomed classes that we were doing. So that was uh, that was lockdown, and what a time it was. I mean, for Elisa and I, I we haven't been through a tougher time like that, and, and to just see something you've worked so hard for removed so quickly and, and, and abruptly um, through no fault of your own, right? Um, that's the thing we said you struggle with. It's like, okay, we didn't do anything ourselves here but this whole pandemic has happened and you know our, our business has been taken away from us but it is what it is right and and we also have to keep in mind that there's a story behind every door and maybe actually if you think about the bigger picture maybe actually we're very lucky in what um what we ended up being able to to get through but there are times when it just it seems hard to do that you know and social media is full of everyone you know being uh you know, oh, this is great, isn't this a great experience, we're getting to do all these things. Well, you know, for me as a business owner, I'm not sure it was so great. It was a pretty tough time, pretty harrowing time uh, in certain in certain days there that um, really were very challenging. But I guess if I look at it again from us and our experience, we had the advantage of having the education part of our business, and it was education that was the shining light for us. Um we moved to live stream on education very quickly and I think that probably positioned us 
really strong for a successful education platform throughout the lockdown period. Um, we ran our first live stream course um, pre-lockdown, just as travel restrictions and essential travel restrictions started to come in. Um, and we saw that it was becoming you know, harder and harder to justify what we were asking of our presenters. And again, we really took this approach that we need to keep everyone safe first and foremost. So we, uh, again, we used Zoom before Zoom became sort of popular, I guess. Um, and in doing that and getting there so early, I think that positioned us really well moving forward. So we ran the very first course. It was a one-day kids and teens course. Um, and we learned a lot from that. And I think that's one of the things that um, we pride ourselves on here is that we continue to learn and we continue to listen. And I think as in leadership, listening is one of the most essential skills. So again, I, I do uh, put a call out there to all of you that we want to listen to your thoughts on this podcast and, and what you would like to hear from us. But education went well and and I think we did that because we we learnt a lot and we invested in making it the best possible experience we could again. And it underpins a lot about the ethos of, of us as an organisation. We are very focused on delivering high quality experience to our clients or to our students, whether it be clinics or education. Um, and so we we took that on board. We, we learned a lot from that first course and then we went out and we invested heavily in equipment. We really transformed what was our teaching studio into a tv studio almost we brought in the big lights we blacked out the windows we increased our um, equipment that we were using we brought in big screens projected all of you onto big screens so we could interact with you while we were working on or looking at the screen that we were talking to you on and we have this this great setup now and i think the, you know the feedback and the success of people that have come onto the live streaming just reflects on that so um again from an education point of view i guess it's a big shout out to those of you out there that are part of our api community and did support us by coming onto the courses and especially with the brilliant feedback that you gave to us we thank you enormously for that and, and for any of our presenters who are out there listening to this you guys were amazing as well the way you transitioned to live streaming you know one of the first things i did was a five-day intensive map work course all live streamed and I, you know, looking back on the experience, I was a bit, you know, look, I'm honest. There was, I was nervous coming in. Is this going to work? How was it? And then you get into your sort of teaching mode and it just happens and flows. But the interaction through Zoom was, was great. Um, we went early into the use of the breakout rooms, which really gave a great feel to the education programs as well to create that instant feedback and the ability to do the practice sessions just like you would or close to what you would in a live studio as well um so that uh that went really well and <laughs> i think back on that uh on that course you know i mean i had people from a couple of different countries on that course one girl from australia uh live streaming the course through the middle of the night um which was uh, just a phenomenal effort from her part but i guess that's where you look on where people did make the most of lockdown and, and took that opportunity to improve themselves. And we saw that continue all the way through. And that has led us to believe that education has probably changed forever, maybe just like clinics have or centres have. Um, and so we now have our three ways of learning that will continue. Um, we have the, the live courses that we hope will come back maybe in September here in the UK. 
Um, but they probably will be different. There'll be fewer people. There'll be more spaced out. There won't be as many of them. And then we have our live stream courses, and I think we'll be doing a lot more live streaming moving forward as a permanent fixture in education. Um, but live streaming has its issues as well. You know, people's internet connection, people would have kids running around, and the ability to sit and, and, and actually take an education course all day long in their home, sometimes that's challenging. Um, and so we, we went a step further and we started filming everything professionally, edited it professionally. This is why it's taken some time. Um, and we now have that ready to go as well. So our entire certification, our MatWork certification program is now available as an online module that you can do at your own pace. Um, and so we have these three ways of learning with education, live, live stream or online. And I think that's how the business will look moving forward. So I, I think that's probably a positive that we can look at um, from, from lockdown.